What the hell is the name of this thing? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. He tried to get me in mid-chew. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another scintillating, fascinating, spectacular edition of the Sports Day DFW podcast, Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington. I'm Barry Horn, and we have a special guest on today, the father of Ballsy. Can we call him that? I I think we can call him the father of Ballsy, yes. Yeah, yeah. Evan Grant. Evan, is that you? I'm here. I am. Where are you? Sitting here in my Ballsy throne. Where, where, where are you? In what city and state are you now? Besides the state of Come confusion, on, Barry. I'm I'm in surprise. I'm sitting in the middle of the Rangers' offices, and I'm chatting with you, gentlemen, after just having gone through um, multiple Ian Desmond press conferences and availabilities related to that signing. So let's get into that. All right, let, let's let's talk about that because I believe that you wrote over the weekend that the Rangers should not bring in Ian Desmond. It was a bad move and that they should just clutter up left field with a bunch of stiffs and spares and get through the season that way. Is what that, is that not what you said? From, from I don't quite have that recollection, but <laughs> I, I suppose you could indicate it that way. I, I believe what I said was that the Rangers left field situation, regardless of what they did, is better in 2016 than it was at this point in time in 2015, and I think now it's 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 markedly better. There's, but they there's had to do to, this. They had to do this. In my estimation, they had to add another. I think they had to add another. They they needed to add another outfielder. And uh, as as much as everybody likes David Murphy, and as much as he contributed to this team, uh, the idea of Desmond as a as a guy who could play left field every day, who could offer some potential versatility, who even has the the potential uh, before the end of the season to offer some some games in center field. I mean, I just don't think that that there's a comparison there between what you would potentially be getting in David Murphy, who's pretty much confined to playing left field, and Desmond, who is at the age of thirty and is he still has the ability to have some prime season. Now, there's risk. I mean, guys, there's risk. The guy does have three consecutive years of trending downward slash lines. But and how does that happen to a guy in the prime of his career, what should be the prime of his career? Yeah, I, I, I think that last year's numbers were so markedly declined because he had a, an awful first half, and he did rescue it in the second half. I did not get a real chance to get into him, into with him today. Uh, in in first meeting, you know whether impending free agency really pay, played any kind of role in in his rough start last year, or if it had played uh, any role in the last two years when he had also you know turned down a 107 million dollar deal from from the Nationals. But uh, yeah, that worked out well is, for him, didn't it? It, it, it well, no, it, it hasn't worked out very well. But I, I will say this: you talk to the talk to the guy today and. He certainly doesn't sound like, A, a guy who's been... Here's the thing that I think is important about this is, sure, he would have liked to have played shortstop, but you look at the other middle infielders that have moved to the outfield and tried to make this adjustment, and it hasn't gone that well on the defensive side. And Alfonso Soriano was not committed to playing the outfield. Um, Hanley Ramirez has not been committed to playing the outfield. 
these guys were forced out there. I think Desmond said at this point in time, I've got an opportunity to um, re reinvent myself, reinvigorate myself, and he has approached it with a very um, a, a very positive outlook. You know, he, he sounds enthused about about the challenge of moving to the outfield. Evan, Evan, in your column tomorrow, I want you to make reference to the fact that Mickey Mantle started out as a shortstop, also. Thanks, Barry. Thanks for bringing in the seventy-year-old demographic. <laughs> no, he, look. Here, here's the point that that uh, that I like to make about all that. You know, when we talk about Alfonso Soriano, we talk about Hanley Ramirez. We're talking about two butchers in the infield. First of all, the the, the reason right. why they wanted him to play in the outfield is because they couldn't play in the infield. Uh, I, I don't know. I'll have to say I, I'm not real National League friendly, so I have not watched Ian Desmond play a lot of shortstop. I don't know if he can play shortstop well what is what are the metrics on him as a as a defensive shortstop i think is is over the last couple years you know he has he has looked a little bit on the average to slightly below average scale at shortstop um but he certainly hasn't been he hasn't been as challenged defensively as soriano or or um hanley were yeah Hanley, he's our first name basis. Yeah, he is. So, uh, and, and here's something I would also point out about this uh, by putting him in left field. In mean, and Barry's ill-fated attempt to uh, to put some perspective on this by uh, let me give you more perspective. Let me, let, me, let me give you more perspective. Who lived me, on Watson it's Circle? An idiot's in position. Dallas. I remember remember another Ranger called left field an idiot's position. Well, here's the, here's the thing. Most of the time, as as Barry was pointing out. A guy, if, he, if he's going to play shortstop, then he goes. If he's going to play the outfield, he's going to be a center fielder. You're asking this guy to be a left fielder. I don't. I don't think this is a big leap. I don't think that people should think, "Oh no, this is another Mike Napoli disaster in the making." Oh, it won't be. Look, he. he I, I think if you did read this morning's column, you did read some, did. some comparisons to Mike Napoli, and I think on the offensive side, all of that is very appropriate. But no, I don't think there's any doubt that he, he goes out to the outfield with far more capabilities than, than, than Napoli did. And, and Mike did everything he could last year on the, on the absolute fly to try and make himself an adequate left fielder, but everybody knew going in it was just about getting him two or three at-bats against left-handed pitching and how that changed the lineup. I think that while he's not going to walk as much as Napoli did, Desmond has the same ability to kind of thicken the lineup up and, and make pitchers really have to to struggle from one through nine, and, and when they had to do that against the Rangers in the in the last months of last season, this offense absolutely pounded people. Plus, this gives you a guy, and, and look, I, I, and I'm a uh, I don't want to say a big fan of Mike Napoli, but I, I I really like what he brings to a ball club. He, he's he's a terrific addition to any ball club uh, for for a number of reasons. But he's very one dimensional. He's a guy that's either going to play first base or he is going to DH for you. This is a guy who's going to play multiple positions, or, or could play multiple positions. I, he, he'll start out as the left fielder, and we'll see what happens from that point on. I, I want to ask you two, well, I, two things about him, though, John, specifically. Well, let me, let me just okay, go ahead. John Daniels made it pretty clear today that he is the left fielder going in, and the intention is for him to be the left fielder all year. That said, yeah, there is the possibility. This club, Jeff, Jeff Bannister, talks about Armageddon situations and they faced those last year. Uh, there's always kind of laying out there and wait. And, yeah, if you here's the, the beauty of this potential move is that if, if Elvis were to go down for two weeks um, or a month, could you, could you then make a decision 
if Jerickson Profar is tearing up AAA at that point in time, then it's a no-brainer. You bring Profar up, you play him at shortstop during that point. If Profar is still struggling um, to refine his swing or, or, or you know, kind of get back into the groove of playing shortstop, but no more Mazzara or Lewis Brinson are really tearing up AAA, you have the ability to go down and get the better hitter who's more prepared at that point in time to, to play big league, to face big league pitching and still not, not hurt yourself. You know, last year when they brought up Gallo to play third base for Adrian Beltre, it was because they needed a third baseman. They didn't have a third baseman, and they went into it knowing that there was a very, very possibility that Joey wasn't ready for the big leagues. Who, who exactly was, was the Rangers' competition uh, for, for, uh, for Desmond? Was there any other well, team out there who wanted him? You know, when this team, this team early on, and, and this will be, I, I think, kind of the focus of, of my column for tomorrow is just how this team made this happen. But going into the offseason, the Rangers did touch base with him, which I thought was a little bit odd because they didn't have a shortstop position opening. And they did say that, you know, if right now we have no position and no money for you, but we do like you, and if there's any possibility that you move off of shortstop and if your market does fall apart, we, we, we would like to, to engage in conversation. Um, as, the, as, as things went on, you know, and that actually did happen, I think this team was able to kind of get out in front of everybody else on the left field thing and say, okay, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to make, you know, now that, now that the bids have, have kind of, there, there, aren't, there isn't much out there for them at shortstop, Let's go ahead and before any other teams decide that they're going to make a play for him in left field, let's make let's make our most aggressive play. If he says no, he says no. If he says yes, then we've got a guy in left field, and that's what they did. So I think effectively they kind of cut off any of the competition before it really arose when it started to when he made it known that he was willing to play left field. So Evan and and, and I will say this: Desmond said very clearly today after speaking with with Michael Young and speaking with former Ranger Mark DeRosa, that this was a place that he wanted that he wanted to play, that he had instructed his agent um, that he wanted him to talk with the Rangers. And uh, the conversation we had with Desmond this morning was, was very impressive um, in, in him talking about what he, what he aimed to do and that he felt like this was a place that has, over the past few years, put aside... The idea of it's about the that it's not the name on the back of the jersey, but the name on the front of the jersey, and that this to him it indicated that this was a place where there was a real focus on wanting and 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 being in the direction of winning. Okay. All right. Thank you for that, Evan. Uh, all right. Now, listen. Well, that was pretty dismissive. I think, yeah. Well, it was the, the front of the jersey, back of the jersey. I don't care about that. All right. So, so listen. <laughs> here we've got a guy uh, that, for all our all our friends who are always disturbed whenever the minor leagues are ruffled, yeah. uh, and, and so they they make this signing, which will the draft cost, picks. This is this will cost them the nineteenth pick of the first round, and, and of course, bearing in mind that they are picking up. Uh, the 30th pick because of the Orioles signing of Giovanni Gallardo. Um, Correct. This will also actually, even though they're dropping now because of that, they go, uh, they're, they're dropping 11 picks essentially, um, they will also save a lot of money, will they not? Well, yeah, they, effectively since they won't have um, the extra two, it'll be, it would be, I think, about two and a quarter um, that would be allotted for that 19. Two and a quarter million. In terms of, yeah. yeah. 
um, that that's like they won't have that ability to use that money. So effectively, the net cost, and you know, these come out of different payroll pots in, in, inside the organization, but effectively, the, the, the bottom line cost is it's more like 6.75 for, for Desmond. All right. It would be $8 million. Here, Here's the better question than, the, than the question. Let me ask a better question than the question Kevin asked. So the draft comes up, the Rangers and the Rangers don't sign Desmond. When would that player realistically, if maybe possibly, be able to help the Rangers? What year? <laughs> no, that's a good question. Yeah, it's a great question because <laughs> because the Rangers have a need in 2016. I don't want to hear about what's going to happen in 2020. Well, you can't be gutting your farm system. They're not gutting their farm they're system. Not, they're not gutting their farms. No, they're not. But I think in this particular case, it, it, Evan, do you think they would have done this deal had they not picked up the 30th pick from the Orioles? Well, John John said this morning that, you know, if this deal was out there, they wouldn't have shied away from this particular deal at this particular moment. And I think, you know, you look at draft picks and you, the, you value draft picks and – you know, player development and, and, and player acquisition at that level is the lifeblood of an organization. But he also said, "This is a, this is about 2016. Thank and we you. Feel like we have a chance to win in 2016, and we are about winning at the big league level, and that can't be discounted." I, I do get frustrated with people who talk about draft picks and only the draft picks, and seem to overlook the idea that the goal is to win at the big league level. And if you're constantly worried about a future that never seems to arrive, your present's not going to arrive either. And, and this team has a chance. This team is a markedly better team over the past seven days with the addition of Jeremy Guthrie on a minor league deal to give depth to the, to the rotation situation. With Drew Stubbs as a potential defensive substitution and speed guy, especially for a guy who is going to be learning left field on the fly, with Ian Desmond added to the mix, this is a better team this is a team that is focused on 2016, and I think they're in good position to really make a strong run in 2016. Uh, there's no question to me that they needed to do something. I think the only question about this signing, uh, from my standpoint, is uh, why is this guy's career? Why is his career been going backwards? It, it makes no sense. This guy, I think, we should point out here uh, for fans who don't know his his record. In 2012, when he made the All Star team, uh, he hit two, what 291. Uh, twenty something home I believe runs. He hit, hit two ninety that year with like an eight forty five OPS. Yeah, and plus he he stole twenty uh, something bases. I mean, this was a this was a uh, you know it, it's it's kind of like a uh, a rod light. I mean, th- this was a guy right. who had had real real uh, potential as a you know he was he was going places and it's gone backwards ever since. It, ha, ha, did well, he did he answer that question about why his career is going this direction? Uh, today, no. Today was more the the kind of brief media availability that we had with him was was all more about the signing, and I think we'll get a chance to to kind of probe some other questions maybe later on today. But um, the answer to your question is is this: on February twenty eighth or February twenty ninth, you're not going to find a player that is full of that is full of assets without risk. It just doesn't happen. He's out there and he's available because of that line that's gone down each of the last three years. Correct. Is it a risk? Yeah, it's a risk. But when you lose your left fielder and your and your left field situation is um, in something of disarray, you have you have no choice but to either say, okay, we're just going to hope for the best, or we're going to take steps that we think can can make this a better club. And uh, if he gives them 
if he gives them what he, let's assume that he goes back to where he was in 2014 as opposed to 2015, that's those numbers. What are, was that line? Tell, tell us the numbers, Evan. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know the OPS. Barry, look those up. You know, in the mid. Oh yes, sir. While Evan and I are talking, you look that up. Oh, okay, okay? Let, me, let me look that up. Yeah. No, I don't. I, I don't think there's any question that that they needed to make this move. I think this is a good move. I I, I like it for a number of reasons. Uh, I like it because first of all, uh, and you and I had, had this discussion before. I I just believe that it's okay to have a right-handed bat out there full-time in left field because you need to balance this lineup out a little more. One of the problems that they've had in the past that Jeff Banister has been faced with is the fact that because he doesn't want to stack too many left-handers, he's had to bat uh, Elvis sixth uh, at times last year. That's ridiculous. Elvis should be batting ninth on this team if he's batting anywhere at all. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't put him up any higher than that. But, they, but because of the problems they've had with the, the, the number of left-handers, they've had to do that. This gives you an opportunity to space these guys out a little bit better and maybe even jump uh, Ruggi Odor up a little bit more where he should be. Yeah, I, I, I just think it offers you all kinds of opportunities for balance in the lineup. And, and that, that was an issue that this team had last year. And, and you could have, if you, if you could count on Josh Hamilton to play against every right-handed pitcher this year or 90% of those right-handed pitchers, Sure, the platoon would be a, a good way to go. Um, it would potentially preserve Josh a little bit, and it would give you the, the right-handed, some more right-handed options against the left-handed pitcher. Uh, that has fallen apart, and at this stage, with the number of issues that Josh has had with that knee, you can't go into the season saying, "Okay, first of May he'll be fine. We'll, we'll, we'll get we'll get a hundred games out of him from them." You have to go in with the idea that. You can't expect anything from Josh. If you get anything, great, but you can't have expectations. And so, to 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 fix that, you've got to go out and find a guy. All right. So, well, what what, what are the ex, what are the expectations we should have for Ian Desmond? Then, well, give us this line from 2014. Oh, 2000, That's what you're okay, up. I looked it up. 2014. Holy cow! 24 home runs, 91 RBIs, batted 255. Dropped last year to 19 home runs. Batted 233 with 62 RBI. I think his on-base right. percentage is also a little disturbing, too. It got uh, under 300 last yes, year. Yes, it was at uh, 290. Uh, last year was under 300, and the strikeouts were way up. But And, and he's not, you know, the, the one place where he doesn't stack up with Napoli is he's certainly not going to walk the number of times that Mike Napoli did. He will strike out, but he will he will hit the ball with some power. He will run better than Napoli did. And, and we've talked about, the obviously, the fielding situation. This is, this is uh, you know, for where the Rangers were at this particular moment, I think this was about the best thing that they could do. It's a move that comes with certain risks and, and certain caveats, but it's also got the ability to be potentially the steal of the offense. Uh, so where do you say, okay, give us the Rangers' opening day lineup. Uh, let's say they face a right-handed pitcher or a left-handed pitcher. Let's go with a left-handed pitcher. Where do you see him? Well, yeah. they won't going to be facing Felix Hernandez. So, oh, so that's a right-handed uh, pitcher. will be facing a right-handed okay, pitcher. Thank you. Um, you know, I'd, I would venture that it would go something like the Shields, uh, Chu, uh, Fielder, Beltre, Moreland, uh, probably Desmond, Odor, Elvis, Chirinas. I think why, why I don't get that about the the Chirinos Elvis thing though. I mean, you know, Chirinos has got some pop and he and he doesn't run that well. Why don't we just start to run the double leadoff man and have Elvis bat ninth? 
And, and you might, you might, you might end up going there. I, you know, you, you're asking for a lineup before they've had an inter squad game, and before Desmond. That's what we do here, ball, Evan. So. We project things, we predict things, we stick our necks out. That's what we do for a living. Yeah, that's, uh, we're so ballsy. <laughs> oh, you just wanted to say that. Yes, we are. Now, Evan, we're gonna uh, we're gonna now go to your uh, lovely interview with Colby Lewis, in which you talked about uh, biking and uh, and all kinds of fun things and. Uh, and, and we're, we're going to, after that, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about what y'all talked about. Here's a question I've got for you before we get into your off-season regimen and everything. Okay. A lot of people want to know how this rotation is going to look when you Darvish gets back. How will this rotation look until you Darvish gets back? Well, I mean, I think it's a situation for, you know, Brokel and, um, you know, banning those guys to look at on how they want to set up the righty, lefty, you know, with the three lefties that uh, um, that we have, um, where I'm going to fit in to, to kind of break that up and or, and or um, you know, the fifth spot that's open right now, whoever's not available. So much, so. Not so much exactly who's going to make it up, but I, I think there's there's some general perception that once you comes back, the, the rotation will be solidified. But I, I, I think you guys certainly feel like for those first two months at least, there's more than enough talent here to make this rotation a, a top-flight rotation. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you've got um, Nick, that he's been successful. Um, yeah, I mean, you guys, yeah, I mean, both Nicks, Tepish also. Um, uh, Guthrie's proven. Um, Chi-Chi's got great stuff, you know. He's still, uh, you know, he's got his time with last year and everything. So um, it's just... Uh, basically a matter of, of you know those guys kind of battling it out I mean every one of them is you know a proven guy I feel like yeah so um, it's just whether uh, um, the front whoever the front office chooses you know it's it's, it's gonna be a tough decision that's for sure for for that that much talent to be able to fit in for one spot so I think the thing that this club ran into a little bit at the start of last year was were there enough options, enough depth options? It, it certainly feels like like now you've got more options to choose from. Guthrie gives you another, like you said, another veteran presence to choose from. You've seen these young kids kind of grow. Is there, you like the, the pool of overall talent in terms of how you have to get through a major league season, the number one? No, no, absolutely. I, I feel like um, you, I mean, I think JD said it in the past. I mean, there's, there's always, um, room for having some like basically having having a backfall, having guys that have are proven, and um, um, it's better to have more than not have enough. So um, you know it. Uh, we're in a good situation. I feel like I mean, especially like you said, and since we've um, you know once uh, Darvish comes back, then um, you know they're going to have to make another decision. I mean, it's um, and, and you know. I wish the best for everybody, and I mean, you put a guy in the alley, you know, with Chichu or Nick or Guthrie or any of those guys, or um, that uh, are throwing the ball great, you know. And then Darvish comes back, um, um, you know, you've got to make room somehow, you know. And one of those guys is, I mean, whether he gets shuffled to the pin or or whatever, it's a move has to be made, and um, it's a big decision for the front office, you know. Where do you feel like you're at now? You went through the off-season surgery on the knee. We'll get into a little bit about what you pitched with in the second half last year. But health-wise, in terms of how you feel, you certainly, I think you've lost a little bit of weight this year. No, uh, yeah, I, I would think I wind up losing like 20-something 20, 20 pounds, but it was the heaviest uh, 
um, 27 or something like that, a lot. Um, heaviest I ever was coming off the, the year last year, just because uh, the knee wouldn't enable me to, of course, get on, um, put a lot of weight on it. And I was basically saving the energy and the, um, the pain for, uh, for every five days, so. Um, you've, you've always pitched, the kind of guy that I've always felt is pitched without an ego. You're willing when you have to to go out there and take a beating if it means sticking around long enough. You're not, I don't think you've ever been consumed by ERA numbers in this ballpark. Your approach to pitching is, it, it is kind of the definition of the cliche. I just want to give my club a chance to win. Is that not right? No, oh, yeah. I mean, you guys get uh, pretty bored with my interviews, you know, <laughs> so... Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it is, it is kind of cliche-ish. I guess it's one of those things that I just, I feel like I want to go out there and, and contribute. That's all I really want to do. I mean, I don't, I'm, I mean, I, I've been here the longest out of any, any guy, Ranger-wise. Um, uh, and, you know, I still feel like, uh, I'm, I'm a name that's like not a lot of people recognize, you know? So, um, which is great. I mean, I don't do social media. I don't do all that kind of stuff. I want to fly under the radar, you know. Um, You're probably better off for not doing social media. <laughs> right. Um, so, it's just, uh, um, I, I feel like, you know, that, that, that blue-collar type of guy. I want to go out there and get my job done, do what I need to do to contribute for my team to win, and, um, you know, go home and play with my kids. All right, so and you're able to do that now based on the hip surgery and the things that you've gone through. You're able to actually go home and, and have quality of life. And, and this offseason you were able to get back into a cardio program. Talk, tell me a little bit about how you got on the bicycling program and, and, and what you're trying to do with that. Um, basically, it's just a real... Um, I know it's a, it's a sport that I've gotten to enjoy and, and, and uh, really start to love and, and be on the bike and get a lot of seat time. And um, but it's uh, and this is your replacement for running for the right. for your for the rest of your career. Right. Yeah. Just get on a station bike, stationary bike. We have a we have a spin a spinning bike here at, at, uh, in spring, and then we have one in the training room uh, in Arlington also. But um, it for me, I mean, it's just. Uh, there's no, no impact. It's very low, um, um, you know, pounding or anything like that, that 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 the knee takes. If you want to go out and run or anything like that, it's just I just you can't do it anymore. I mean, I can't anyway. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, my legs stay super strong. Um, I'm able to go out and ride. You know, um, my longer rides are you know 60, 65 miles. So the, the thing that from a baseball perspective for me, you know, when you you do your running, guys do their running and they'll put their headphones on and, and but you're, you're still you're running in a stadium or whatever. Right. You won't be able to go out and bike on the streets during the during the season. You'll do Correct. you'll do most on of the that. road, right? But does, do you still see that? Will that give you a different level of, of relaxation? Do you think than what you got from running in the past? Just being on a stationary, you mean? Just. Doing the bikes, the bike part, rather than actually the pounding or running. Yeah, I mean, I, I never really enjoyed running, but it, I mean, gosh, when you when you could run, I feel like it, you get in shape so quick. So, um, but I felt like I got the same results. I mean, I lost 27 pounds in two and a half months. So it's like, I mean, just watching what I ate and and uh, not having any sweets. I mean, a lot of days. I mean, my, my wife said, "Hey, let's go get some pizza." We go get pizza, you know. Um, you know, like my 60-mile rides. I mean, I'm burning up to 5,000 calories. We pester you constantly every year about giving your your history. You know, how long can you handle this? How long can you do this? Your approach to that has always been that that part never enters your mind, right? No, I mean it. it I mean. 
I think I'll know when uh, when I can't do it. You know, I mean, I, I knew when I couldn't do it when I, I had to have my hip done, and I was content with that. And um, that if that was the year, you were content yeah, at yeah. That point. At that point, I you know, and that's why I feel like maybe I took it like I was able to re- recover from it and and not take it um, so seriously. I mean. Maybe some guys want to take it seriously, but I mean, I didn't. I took it an approach of like, you know, I'm, I'm getting this done. I'm going to take a nice, easy approach at it and rehab it right, do things right, um, and um, uh, was able to recover from it. And um, it's what got me three more years out of it, you know, playing ball. So um, I was content with trying to get one more year out of it, you know. So uh, um, who knows? I mean, you know, I'd like to, you know, see how things go and. Um, continue going if I'm, if I'm being productive and getting outs and uh, um, the Rangers especially the team that you know I, that, that I want to be here if, um, and they keep signing the check then then I'll keep showing up so but I definitely don't want to be the guy that's out there just you know not doing my job you did your job all last year you know 200 innings with a 204 I think was a career high for you Led the team in wins. Can play off the, the way the rotation was set up and ended up without you going out here. Being the guy that you've always been, low key guy, you, you basically dismissed that idea. Does that serve as any motivation for you at this point? You know, to not have had the playoff start last year, going into 2016. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that was a front office decision. So, um, you know, granted, um, you know, I, I don't think I was very. Um, like happy with it, but um, you know, I mean, ultimately, I mean, what do you do when your boss says this is what it is? So um, I, uh, you know, move on and and you basically take it with a grain of salt and and, and you go go on to your next day. I mean, it, I, I mean, I I don't like I said, I don't try not to dwell on a lot of stuff, let stuff impact me that I can't control. All right, last thing before we let you go. Was the biggest thing, the, the most difficult thing about the bike actually getting comfortable in the silly-looking bike shorts? <laughs> uh, shoot. I would always get dressed like, you know, my wife would always be doing something or whatever, and I'd, and I'd just get dressed, and, and I, you know, she wouldn't see me or anything like that. So I got dressed one day with my helmet on and my glasses, and and uh, I liked it. They call them bibs, where, which is like, like, a, like a wrestling singlet, basically. And it has like a pad, so because you're on the you're on the seat and it's a small seat for a long period, right. so you got to have some sort of padding, and uh, and and I wear like you know a bike jersey, you know, and it's all everything's kind of tight, and uh, and uh, so I come walking out. I say, what do you think? She goes, wow, that's something. <laughs> <laughs> what did you mean when you said that? Yeah, just because it, I think it's just you know I mean here I am. Six foot four, you know, two hundred, you know, thirty-five, two hundred forty pounds, getting ready to go sit on this bicycle, all, all, uh, you know, um, stinking uh, latex, whatever, not latex, but uh, stretch of pant, like you know, I just all. You can pull it off. You can yeah. pull off that look. Well, I mean, you have to. I mean, I'm trying to get as aerodynamic as I can. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean. I mean, like you, when you're trying to pull pull my kind of weight, like for you know, all these all the guys that cycle, like there's like they have no arms and they have huge legs. You know, it's just like 
you know it's just like basically their legs are just all all it is just pistons you know so um i still want to look proportionate when i'm you know like riding a bike you know what i mean i don't want to get like all skinny upper body and just have huge legs so um yeah it it uh yeah, she, uh, she, she was, it was, it was pretty funny when she said that. Well, we know that you have been here. You'll have every bike shop in Dallas Fort Worth contacting you about which trails they want to suggest. So okay, sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, come in and, and uh, get that. I also want to do is, because I travel so much, is um, I want to get, like, like, cycling jerseys. Like, you know, like, you know, the different shops, you know, with their logos right. and all that kind of stuff, so. I thought that would be kind of cool. Like when I ride with all the guys back home, I have all these different tops and stuff, and you get to wear, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I just every bike shop that I go to, I try to buy one, and and uh, so it'd be uh, it'd be kind of cool. You got you, you got to you still got to look good when you're out there. All the it's like every other sport. You got to be like all geared out. You got to have the right accessories and all that kind of stuff. You so, got to look good to, yeah. to feel good. Yeah. All right, well, Kobe, I appreciate you taking so much time. We will send it back to the guys in the studio, and um, uh, we'll let you get out on the trails here. All right, appreciate it. Thanks. So, Evan, you you've been biking now with Kobe Lewis. Uh, you have uh, you've toured the countryside. You know, you've seen the south of France on bikes. It's, a, uh, it's so great that y'all had that kind of relationship. Where does he fit into this rotation for you now? On opening day, it won't surprise me if Colby Lewis is the number two starter. I don't think that's ultimately where he finishes. Number well. two? Uh, number yeah, two with a I, bullet. <laughs> with a <And> bullet. Here's, <laughs> here's why, Kevin. I think you go into the, you go into the season, obviously Cole Hamels is your, is your number one guy. Um, you've got Colby, you've got Holland, and you've got Perez. Uh, at this point in time, I can't make any projections on Derek Holland. I, I, I don't know what 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 this spring is going to hold for Derek Holland, and I think the Rangers are still going to operate with a little level of caution where um, Martin Perez is concerned. So I, I think Jeff Bannister will want to break up the lefties the most that he possibly can. Colby's an experienced guy. He's, 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 he's pitched well in the ballpark. He's uh, gave the club 200 innings last year and another 17 wins, and and I don't think he's going to have an issue with Colby going out there to start the year in a number two spot. But I think that this rotation is going to evolve as the year as the year goes on, and and it's very possible that by by the end of the year you would be looking at Colby Lewis in in the number four, or number five spot. And that and that would make it a successful year. The year would be better if that if that happened. But you you left out the name of one of the pitchers you haven't mentioned, you uh, Darvish. Uh, give us an update on him. Here's the update on him. He throws off of a hat. He's, he's going to throw off of a full mound on Monday for the first time this spring. Um, it is a tedious process uh, coming back from Tommy John. Uh, in a best-case scenario, he's not going to start a rehab assignment until the middle or latter stages of April. And uh, he's. I, I just don't feel like he's anything that you should – you should pencil in for a specific date. You know, the Rangers have targeted late May or early June, but with a guy coming back from Tommy John and with the with as much as Darvish potentially offers this club, they're going to be as cautious as they possibly can with him. So for right now, the, the bigger issue is who ends up being the fifth guy in this rotation to start the season, and can that guy give the Rangers two solid months until hopefully Darvish gets back? 
I want to uh, point out here, too, and I don't, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Evan. Do you recall what the Rangers' opening day rotation was last year? The Rangers' opening day rotation last year was um, – Was Joe Saunders in there? Uh, no, Joe Saunders was not, but uh, Ross Detweiler was. Ross Detweiler, um, that's right, that's right. So you had, at the start of last year, you actually did have Colby. You had Derek Holland, who lasted one inning. Um, it was quite an you inning. You had yeah. Ross Detweiler. You had Nick Martinez. And who am I forgetting at this point? But I'm forgetting somebody, and that was a forgettable situation. It was. So, so the point the point is is that whatever the, the rotation you start the season with, it, that's really an overblown question, I think. You know, that, that most teams go into the first you of the asked season. That, you asked that question five minutes ago, and now you're saying you asked an overblown question. He told me to ask that question. Oh. Evan told me to ask where he fed in the rotation. Okay. No, I, I think it, it is a – I do think that uh, it, just what Evan pointed out, you're just trying to get through the first month of the season here usually. And usually there's there's question about off days and whether to use the fifth guy or not and, and all kinds of things. So I, th- I think we put a little too much into that. No, I think what you have to put weight into is what ends up being pretty much the 10-man the ten pool that the Rangers will have to cobble together a rotation over the course of the year. Because you're not going to have your five guys from opening day until the end of the season, and you're probably not going to have just eight guys. You know, last year this team had to use 12 different starters over the course of the season, and every playoff team used at least 10 different starters over the course of the season. So we can sit here and we can say this guy is going to be projected at number one on opening day or this guy is going to be projected at number two on opening day. But but the real the real significance of spring training is coming away from this camp knowing that the, the 10 guys that you will go with is your opening day rotation in the big leagues, your your AAA rotation, and whatever you'll have and where they stand in, in terms of coming back from injuries, those guys that are on a DL, those are the, that, that's where you have to feel comfortable with. And you have to feel comfortable knowing that if somebody goes down, what direction are you going to go in? And, yeah, it changes. It can start changing the, the, the minute the AAA season starts. Evan, we've run out of time. It's been great having you on the, the podcast with us. Come back soon with us. We'd love to have you again. Evan, the father of Ballsy. That's the what we're going to start calling you. But we have to go now because John Machota, our good buddy who covers the Cowboys for the Dallas just Morning News. Just back from the Combine. Just back from the Combine. And just out of court, apparently, with Tony Romo. Uh, yes, but it's it's not a Johnny Manziel court, court no, situation. Not, not that kind let's, of court. Let's, let's, it's a different kind of court. We also had uh, our, our old buddy Mark Followell, the Mavericks TV broadcaster, the voice of the TV, voice of oh, the Mavericks. Oh, you guys actually got Mark. You guys actually got Mark Followell. Yes, right and he had very there. nice things to say about you. We cut him off immediately, Evan, because all he wanted to do was talk about eating on the road. He said that was your specialty. We cut him off. Yeah, he, he's a big baseball fan. He's a seam head. Yes, and uh, he's also quite quite a good guest, and and I'm I'm glad you guys finally listened to me and, and had Mark you know, on. You know, are you sick about that about Evan? He, Ev- he gets he doesn't get the one you? guy. Here's he what, wants I, here's on what right I want away. to ask about: What is this love? Of, what is this this I don't, I don't idolatry you have with Mark Fowler? What, what what why why do you idolize him so? Because he's a baseball. I, he likes baseball. That's why. I, I think I, I honestly I really and and I. <laughs> 
I don't even like watching the NBA that much, but I, I like listening to Mark and what he has to say about about the game. And, but don't you think there's too many people in that booth? There's too many in that booth, right? You know, you know I just want to tell you, you know what Kevin tried to do? He tried to get a headline out of the He tried to get Falwell to say which one of the two analysts who he works home games with he would, would he like kick to out? ditch. Who would he get, who would he get uh, out of that booth? Yeah. There's too I'm many people. Too crowded. I'm going to I'm going to guess that they could probably have a conversation about Ballsy and wonder the same thing. Wow. wow. Well, you know, there's only two of us in here now. And it's going well. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Level, our, our boss came by a while ago and said, man, you guys look great in those chairs. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure you guys do. Yeah, and, <laughs> and he said, you have that usual empty seat between you. Wow. Evan, it's been well, great as always. Have a great time out there. Uh, find a good deli. I'll be out there on the 28th uh, of, of this uh, coming month. It'll be great. It'll be wonderful. Well, I'll see you before then, Kevin. I'll be there for in-studio back on the 14th. Will you oh. really? Oh, but I won't be here. I'll be on vacation. Oh, that's too bad. Okay. Anyway. Okay. All right. Be well, well Evan. <laughs> see ya. Let's go to John Machoda. And we don't forget Mark Follow-Up. And we've had the, both those podcasts. So, uh, anyway, thanks for coming. It's been great. We'll see you next time. Bye.